The Holy Gospel for this day comes from Luke, chapter 18. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need, their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Somewhere in the world, a young father is holding his child for the first time moments of anxiety and worry and the exhilaration of birth are past. Now there is a tiny, sticky hand in his, and a new human who has barely opened her eyes. Thank you, he whispers, without even realizing he's doing it. At that same moment, a soldier in Ukraine is sta standing in the ruins of a building, still smoking from a missile strike. He walks around the rubble cautiously, trying not to disturb anything, any piece of the building that might be protecting a human life, listening with every fiber of his being for someone, anyone, even a faint voice crying for help. Why? He mutters as he walks around. Why? Thousands of miles away, a teenage girl is sitting at her desk while the teacher hands out a quiz for which she has definitely not studied. She meant to, but she forgot. And her grades are a little tenuous already and failing this quiz would not be good. Her parents have set certain rules about the phone. Help, she whispers. She picks up her pencil. In the meantime, a middle-aged man is sitting at his mother's bedside. She's in hospice care. And the room is quiet and peaceful except for the sound of her labored breathing. He's holding her hand and thinking about his childhood and birthday parties and holiday meals and teenage arguments and his wedding day. This mother and her life coming to a close. So sad he can hardly express it and so grateful all he can do is feel the holiness of her papery thin skin. He doesn't have any words at all. All of these people, and millions, billions more at any given moment, are doing the same thing. They are praying. As diverse and, and varied as their experiences of prayer are, prayers of hope, or joy, or fear, or anger, or wonder, or, or desire, and some prayers that are just sized too deep for words, they are all sharing in common the 
desire to know and experience and communicate with the presence of God. A new parent, a student getting ready for a test, a grieving son, a soldier on the battlefield, their lives probably seem totally disconnected to us, as different as the circumstances that they're living through. We don't know anything about their faith lives. Maybe they've never set foot in a sanctuary of any tradition. Maybe they've never missed a Sunday in worship. <clears throat> Maybe if they heard me describe what they're doing as prayer, they would say I got it wrong. But something in them is reaching out to a presence beyond themselves, a presence that cares and will listen, reaching out for help and hope, for gratitude and joy and anger or in grief. It is all prayer. Prayer is the topic of the day today, from the parable Jesus tells to the words of the psalm, inviting us to look to the hills to find our help in God, all the way back to Jacob in this mysterious wrestling match with somebody you cannot identify exactly, refusing to let go until he gets a blessing out of it. And just like all of those stories, prayer is complicated. Not only is it diverse in the ways we all experience it, but also in how we do or don't hear a response. What looks and feels like a prayer to one person doesn't feel that way at all to someone else. A form of prayer that is extremely meaningful to one person doesn't feel meaningful at all to someone else. What feels or sounds like a response to prayer to one person doesn't feel at all like that to someone else. Maybe it's because there's so much mystery about all of this. Jesus tells us kind of a weird story about how we should persist in prayer. He tells us about a judge whose entire job, I mean, if he had a job description written down, it would be honor God and do justice, but who is intent on doing the opposite. And a widow who doesn't have a job description, but would ordinarily be considered one of the more invisible and vulnerable and kind of quiet and meek people in society, but who is also intent on being the opposite. The judge refuses to grant justice. The widow refuses to give up. On and on this goes. Until finally, out of apparently exhaustion, the judge caves in and grants the widow what she wants. The moral seems to be, if even a really awful person can do the right thing for an awful reason, how much more will God do what is right? Alongside it, we can say, if even a person who is assumed to be meek and mild can stand up and insist on justice for themselves and others, how much more can we do the same? Anytime we talk about prayer, there are a thousand questions about it. More questions about prayer than I could even name in a sermon. A lot more than I could ever answer. Many of which I don't have answers for. I am confident that right now, many of you have prayed for healing for yourself or someone you love. And it has not come. At least not in the way you want. I know many of you are praying right now for hope and 
clarity in a situation that is rapidly spiraling out of control, and you are not sure where God is or how it will all turn out. I know that right now many of you are praying for someone you love whose struggle you can't fix, although you would give every breath in your body if you could. And you are wondering what God is doing about it. You might find yourself awake in the middle of the night praying for a weary and hurting world, for a fractured and angry nation, for the smoky air we can barely breathe, for the person you drove past earlier today who was holding up a sign asking for money or help or work, for the people in this world who are in charge of weapons and armies, for relationships you no longer know how to maintain. It's even possible Maybe a little embarrassingly, the last quiet prayer you uttered under your breath was the one you were saying at the bottom of the 18th inning last night. If you need a parable about persistence, asking a mariner's man is not a bad way to go. The way Jesus describes the reason he tells this parable is because he wants his disciples to pray always not to lose heart. That lose heart could also be translated grow weary or lose courage. But there's something particularly meaningful, touching about the idea of losing heart. Isn't it what we hope for, not only in our prayer lives, but in our whole lives, that we don't lose our hope, our vulnerability, our desire to connect with God and one another, that we don't get drowned out by cynicism or fear or hatred or exhaustion? that our battered and imperfect hearts <clears throat> will still reach out for each other and for God. That we don't lose our hearts, our way, our trust, our joy. Which brings me to a particular kind of prayer, the kind we do together in worship in this space. Not long ago, after the 8 o'clock worship, someone came up to me and said, who writes those prayers to the people? I really like those. I like the way they, they encourage me to pray for things and places that I, I never think of myself. I go home and I write down the ones I can remember, and then I add them to my prayer life during the week. So, oh, that's, that's great. What a good idea. After the very next worship service, the same day, I'm not making this up, someone else came up to me and said, why do we do those pre-written prayers every week? I hate those. <laughs> They feel so formal to me. I don't pray like that at home. I just don't connect to them. I feel uncomfortable about it. Sure. <laughs> okay. Why do we pray like this together? We pray a lot of times during a worship service. The prayer of the day, the prayers of the people. We pray prayers during communion. We pray the Lord's Prayer. For many of you, though, prayer during worship might not necessarily be those moments. It might be singing a hymn or hearing music. It might be in the act of reaching out your hand to receive the wafer or dipping it into the cup. It might be closing your eyes as you receive the benediction or some other moment that is the most prayerful time for you. In any community, there are bound to be as many reactions to things as there are people in the room. Someone always loves the thing. 
I suppose the danger of those prayers, those written prayers, is that you might be left feeling that you should be praying that way at home too. That that's how you're supposed to pray. That muttering help under your breath isn't a full prayer, when it absolutely is. Or that standing in the sunshine and feeling the warmth in your skin and praying for our beautiful and hurting world with just your breath isn't a prayer, when it absolutely is. That holding the hand of someone you love when you don't even have words to describe your worry and your hope for them isn't prayer, when it absolutely is. But maybe the beauty of the way we pray together in this particular time and space is that it might help you not to lose heart. You might have come here today full of prayers, but you might also have come with nothing of your own. Honestly, you came here because you need somebody else to pray for you. We can do that. Maybe you've been so worried about a struggle or a puzzle in your own life that you've lost sight of others walking the same path. When you hear those words today, you can remember you're not alone. Maybe you found yourself stumped to find the words to pray for the world or your neighbor or a thousand other things that keep you up at night. So you come and you remember you can always turn to the well-worn patterns that generations of Christians have said together, give us this day our daily bread. Part of the gift of community is that we get to pray for each other. We do it in our words, the pre-written ones, and the ones that we add, the ones we speak to each other in the narthex or at any time in the building, the ones we offer to one another in the parking lot or in the grocery store when we meet. But it's more than words. We can pray together in the way we do as the widow showed us and refuse to give up in seeking justice, battering at the doors of inequality and prejudice and hatred until we finally wear them down to nothing. We can also do that by simply sitting together in this space, joining together online, witnessing to each other that every prayer we offer, the ones that have words and the ones that don't, are all held together in this part of the body of Christ. We can do that. We can pray by helping each other in God's beautiful, broken world not to lose heart lose our hearts, but to pray, wrestle, knock, and hold each other up in the mystery of it all until someday, one day, as it is promised, we will find the blessing in it. Don't lose it.